0: The Angel Face Magic Hour. The Angel. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Angel Face Magic Hour podcast. I'm your host, Grace Lennon. I'm a psychic medium and an energy healer. And today we're having another solo episode. So, get comfy, get cozy, and we're going to get into some fun metaphysical conversations today. Before we get started on our episode, I want to give you a couple updates of what's going on at Angel Face HQ. So, first of all, Happy New Year, y'all. It's 2022. (laughs) Can you believe it's 2022? I hope everyone had a nice New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. I didn't do much. I did a lot of like spiritual work, and I cleaned my whole office and got that set up um, because I just moved. I'm in my new place, so I'm officially in my new place, y'all, which is very exciting. I know I've been talking about it for a while, and it took me about a month and a half to actually move So I'm so happy it's all done. And now I really just got to hang up some stuff on the walls and put some shelves up, put my crystals away. But um, it was a really nice New Year's Eve for me. I did the whole office and I did some painting and then I did some, um, you know, intention setting and getting ready and thinking about what do I want to call into this new year What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to let go of? So if you haven't done that, it's not too late. First of all, time is an illusion. So a new year could be any fucking day. And um, it's really just based upon a calendar that is used from a certain point of time in history on. So if we look at other calendars, like the Jewish calendar or other calendars throughout the world in China and other places, the date is not always the same as the date that it is here. So just being reminded that, yeah, it's 2022 in this calendar system, but if you're feeling stressed about the obligation of like, oh my God, it's New Year's, I have to do this, I have to like lose 10 pounds and do this and um, stop eating chocolate and um, workout. out 75 times a day, like, don't put so much pressure on yourself and be reminded every day is an opportunity for you to move towards what you are trying to accomplish. So, you know, if we look at um, like the wheel of the year, a lot of times, spring equinox that is kind of more of the new year, so sometimes. It feels like it makes more sense to start anew when spring begins. For me, I've I've always feel the New Year vibe around September. And I think that's because of so many years of going to school of like, oh, you got to get your calendars and your new planners and your gel pens and all this stuff to start anew. So I really feel that vibe around September. But I always like taking this time of year to really reflect upon what happened last year What came through that I was looking forward to and what could I work harder on? What could I let go of? What could I feel differently about? So I think it's a great time for reflection and and the winter in general is a great time for reflection, going inwards. In California, it's really easy to just keep going at the same energy level because For the majority of the year, we have very similar weather. Um, But I know listeners who are in like New York or somewhere where it's very cold and snowy, that it's easier to go into that like hibernation mode of, oh, I'm just going to stay inside. And I know with the virus, it really made staying inside not as fun (laughs) as it used to be. So I know that maybe we're wanting to get out there, we're wanting to socialize, we're wanting to do this and that and accomplish all the things. But no, winter is a really good time for rest and for um, taking care of your body. And whether or not we're worried about um, COVID or anything like that, this time of the year is good to take care of your immune system either way. Um, whether or not you're concerned about COVID or the flu or just a cold, it's a really good time of the year for everyone, no matter your immune system, no matter, um, how strong you think you are. I think it's really important to take care of our immunity this time of year. So, how can we do that? I am not a doctor, okay? But I just suggest looking into some herbal um, medicine that can help you focusing on your lungs, focusing on your blood, focusing on your lymphatic system, and your nervous system. That is what I very much encourage you to focus on. Is Especially the nervous system. So the other day, I did a healing session for my friend who was feeling really sick, and what came up around um, the sickness was a lot about the nervous system. Of okay, like you, you know, obviously there is more to it than just stress. But just knowing that sometimes these repeated stressors, emotionally, physically, or other mentally, or otherwise, um, can contribute to the way that we physically feel. So, doing stuff to take care of your nervous system. Um, Massage is amazing for that. So, that's something you can do on your own. Uh, Go get a massage, that's great. Go pay. A professional to do it, that's awesome. But just doing massage on yourself is a really helpful way to bring down your nerves and your nervous system, finding ways to regulate. So for me, I like to dance. That's my that's my regulation mode. I will Dance. I will shake. I will do weird stuff with my body, and that helps me let go of stuff. You can think about it. Um, I'm sure you've heard this analogy before, but you can think about it as like a dog or a cat or something. They get into a fight and they get a little freaked out. And what do they do afterwards? They shake. They shake violently, and that's a way for the animals to let go of that like tension, that um, high adrenaline moment. And we don't really do that. We don't really do that as humans. So finding a way for you to regulate your nervous system and release emotions. So energy healing is amazing. And we're going to be talking about energy healing today. But um, what I encourage you to do is finding a physical way to do so as well. So dancing, shaking, stretching, Doing the massage on your body, um, masturbation, any like physical touch. It doesn't have to be masturbation, it could be completely non sexual or sensual um, touch, but just being able to feel yourself, (laughs) like your physical self. Um, Because sometimes when we're in our fight or flight, we are almost like leaving our bodies. So we're just floating around um, and our body is not being fully taken care of or aware of. So you may notice this, like if you're feeling really stressed or anxious, maybe you bump into shit or you drop something or you fall, that maybe that's because you are kind of like slightly in and out of your body. So for me, that was like the majority of my life until I found energy healing. Um, I was outside of my body and just floating around and not knowing what was going on at all. So it takes a while to regulate your nervous system if you have been in that state of fight or flight for a long time. And I know just with the state of the world the last two years, I think that has increased for people who don't even typically deal with anxiety. Um, There are things to be anxious about. So I want us to just take extra care of our nervous system this time of year, take extra care of our lungs, our heart and our blood. So just looking into some herbal medicine, some teas, tinctures, things like that, that can help support you as well as food. Food is thy medicine. (laughs) It really is. So a lot of, a lot of, plants and vegetables and things like that. Like, yeah, yummy, yum, yum. But they all have, um, you know, nutrients and specific things that they can help us do. So knowing, okay, like strawberries, for example, you could eat the strawberry and it has, you know, it's delicious. You get some fiber or whatever, but, um, The leaves, the strawberry leaves actually have some really beneficial effects for like pain relief and, um, like muscle tension and stuff like that. So it can be things that you're already interacting with on a daily basis. So I just encourage you to think about that and not from a place of fear, but from a place of, um, joy of like i get to take care of this body this body is here for me and i think a lot of times we can develop hatred for our body whether that's because we have an illness that makes it difficult to live in a body um whether that's because we have um physical pain in our body or body dysmorphia eating disorders um there's so many things that contribute to the reason why we don't feel happy in our bodies, but just um I want you to attempt because this is not an overnight thing, especially if you have some kind of um, condition, attempt to build up some gratitude for your body to know I am this spiritual thing and I wouldn't be here if I didn't have a body. So no matter what my body looks like, feels like, it's still allowing me to exist. So just just a couple of thoughts for us. Before we get started with the main conversation, I just want to give you guys a couple heads up for some classes I got going on. So I am doing a cosmic mediumship practice circle. Mentioned this last cl- last episode Um, This is on Monday, Monday, January 10th, and it's on Zoom, and this class is focused on people who want to practice and expand their mediumship abilities. This is for all levels of experience, so you don't have to know how to do uh, mediumship to Take this class. This class is about learning how to do that and about remembering how to do that. Because like I've said many times, everyone's a little bit psychic. Everyone can connect with the other side, with the spirit, with God, with source, angels, your higher self, whatever you want to identify. Um, because mediumship doesn't inherently have to mean you are religious or spiritual or of a certain faith. You... Could totally be agnostic and be a medium, or even atheist and be a medium. I haven't um, encountered that, but I just want people to be reminded that mediumship is not of a certain faith, and same with Reiki. Um, anyone can practice. It doesn't doesn't matter um, what your beliefs system is. It it it's um, something that's for everyone. So um, this circle is yeah, focused on cosmic mediumship. So my intention is for people who are looking to connect with extraterrestrial energies, interdimensional energies, but also things like spirit guides, angels, your higher self, higher aspects of yourself, future and past life versions of yourself. So being able to channel and receive information and also be able to send messages to other people. So this is a practice circle. Um, so we everyone in the class gets to um practice. So I start the class out with like exercises that we do all together and then everyone gets their turn kind of being able to do a reading or share psychic information. Um, more well, I guess it's medium information, mediumship information. So I'm very much looking forward to that. That is on Zoom, and I believe it's two hours. And then I'm also um, doing a group healing event on Zoom. Both of those are in my meetup group. So I host a meetup group. It's called Cosmic Seekers, and that's where I kind of post my uh, workshop classes So you can join that group Um, if you go to meetup. I'll put the link in the show notes, and it's free for you to sign up. But that just keeps you in the loop for any classes I have coming up um, as far as workshops go. And, of course, you can always sign up for my mailing list, which is on my website. But um, that is going to be a group healing event, and it's going to be $11. I was doing them for free, Um, but sometimes with free, people don't show up sign up. Like I had one class where fifteen people sign up and only one person came. So um, to make it worth my while, I'm charging a small fee because I tend to notice that pe- if people pay, they're going to be there. But if it's free, eh, whatever, I'll go next time. So I'm hoping to do some still some free events. Um, I'm going to be doing my Q and A YouTube's. So that's going to be starting at the end of January. And so that maybe that will be my free offering, but I want to offer the group healing at a very low price because I want it to still be something that is easy for people to access and um, is something if people are a little unsure that they could sign up and feel like, oh if it's if it's not really for me, it was only eleven dollars um, so I just want to have that. Um, accessible for people but I again sometimes when it's free people don't show up so that's happening Um, in the end of the month so I'll put the link for both of those in the show notes if you'd like to sign up and as always you can book sessions with me if you're looking to book a re- mediumship reading with me I'm officially offering mediumship readings so I have that service up so if you want to connect with Loved ones, angels, aliens, um, spirit guides. I essentially act as a translator to bring information forward for you. So this is a service that I have been doing for a little while, but now I'm officially offering it on my website so you can schedule and book it without asking. You can just do it you just on my website and you can schedule a session. Um and, like I always say, if you've never been um if you've never worked with me before, I do have a coupon for first time podcast listeners to receive fifteen percent off a session so as of now you can you can book a mediumship for readings with me, which I'm really excited about um for a while, I was like a little hesitant about it because I felt like it's a lot of responsibility to hold that torch to be able to share this information that is so profound and so beautiful and sometimes it's very deep um, and intense and then sometimes it's funny and light but I was like wasn't sure if I was ready for it but I kept getting messages over and over and over again (laughs) in my meditations and then with my mentor she was like mediumship are you going to all of our mediumship. Um, mediumship. So we've been talking about it and I think it's time. And I got the AOK okay from the spirit guides to officially offer it. So if you've been looking to get a medium reading, I'm your girl. Okay, my friends, today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is energy healing. And we're going to be specifically talking about Reiki today. Reiki is a form of energy healing that originated in Japan, but there are many, many different forms of Reiki, and there are even more different forms of energy healing. So anyone can practice energy healing, but Reiki is one specific form of practice that you, in order to practice Reiki, you must take a class and you must be attuned. So the attunement process is essentially an initiation that allows in a ceremony that allows you then to be a practitioner of Reiki. So this is going to be a two-part episode, and I'm going to share in part one today about what is Reiki, and we're going to go in a little bit into a detail about the history of Reiki, applications, how we can use it, why we would use it, and whatever else wants to come up. And then part two is going to be more about my personal um, story with Reiki, so how I found Reiki and how i now teach reiki so we're going to go over kind of my my reiki story so i'm excited to share that with you because i say this literally all the time but it is 100% true that reiki changed and saved my life so i <laughs> that's why i'm doing this i want to be able to help people the way that i was able to help myself And, um, what's so amazing about Reiki is it's a continuous process of learning. So myself, I am a Reiki master, which means basically that I can teach others to, um, practice Reiki and I can pass attunements, which is our ceremony, our initiation process. So myself, I am a Usui Reiki Ryoho practitioner, which is traditional Reiki And I also am um, a Holy Fire Karuna Reiki practitioner. So there are different forms of Reiki, and I'm going to go over a little bit about that today. And if you're at all interested in Reiki, yes, I do teach classes, but I just want to say that because some of this stuff I'm going to kind of surface level share with you. And in the class, we go a lot deeper into some of these subjects. So with Reiki, there are three levels of training and in Reiki one, essentially that is opening you up to be able to practice on yourself and on others, hands-on healing. And Reiki two is a lot about distance healing, being able to help people, whether or not you're standing next to them, touching them, you could still send them this energetic form of healing and then reiki master is about learning how to then um, teach others and there's so much more to it but that's a little bit about the basics so one of the things that's cool and maybe not so cool about reiki is that there is no like regulatory board there is no one that tells you okay this is the curriculum for your Reiki class, and you have to teach this, this, and that. And in order to be a Reiki master, you have to have done 700 hours of training. Like, There's no one who tells you how to do that. And when you are a Reiki practitioner, you do not receive a license. You're not a licensed Reiki practitioner. It's just a certification. Um, And so it really... Depends upon your teacher what information is included in the classes, but essentially, that is um, the main details is that Reiki one, you learn hands on healing, Reiki two, you learn distance healing, and Reiki three, you learn to pass attunements and teach others to um, practice. So, myself as a Reiki practitioner um, and a Reiki master, so What that means is that I can practice Reiki, and I can do distance healing, and I can teach others. And the idea with being a Reiki master is you're not done. You're not the master of everything. You don't know everything in the world about Reiki. The title essentially means that you are dedicating your life to the continual process of learning about yourself, about Reiki, about healing, and being of service to um, others. So, with Reiki, there is something that they call the Reiki precepts, or sometimes called the Reiki ideals, and this is just like the general motto, I guess, or the general intention of Reiki. And like I said, there's so many different schools of thought and so many different um, types of Reiki and styles of teaching. So everyone might share this information differently but there's also um, a reason for that and we will talk about that when we talk about the history of Reiki but I want to share this intention with you so like I said again there's several different translations but essentially this is our precepts just for today do not worry just for today do not be angry Just for today, devote yourself to your work and be kind to all people. Every morning and every evening, join your hands in prayer and pray these words to your heart and chant these words to your mouth. So, the intention is that we are calling in Reiki, calling in that unconditional love, and being able to, only if it's in this very moment, focus on that focus on our work focus on helping others focus on inviting happiness and joy into our life um and even if it's just for today just for this moment being able to stand in that reflection of light so i want to just say that um sometimes it's really hard to let go of our worries and our anxieties. So Reiki is really amazing because it's just about the moment. It's just about inviting things into your life and as you bring in more light, more joy, more peace, more stillness, all these other energies are able to balance out a little bit more. So it's not like we are eradicating all anxiety, all fear. It's just in this moment. That we can be. We can be here in this moment. And when we leave the moment, maybe the anxiety won't be there anymore. Or maybe it will. Maybe the worry won't be there anymore. Or maybe it's just right back there to say hello. But all that matters is in that moment, we can leave those to the side and we can come into our body. And with Reiki, the whole kind of, idea is that we're bringing our body and our mind into a state of rest and relaxation of that parasympathetic state where we're able to finally heal. Our body can heal when we are resting. So that whole idea of when you're sleeping, your like muscles, your body, your organs, everything's like uh, rejuvenating in your cells overnight. Um, that's kind of like what's happening with Reiki. We're getting into that deep theta Um, or even deeper brainwave state where we can then begin to heal. So Reiki itself isn't exactly healing you. Your body is healing itself. Reiki is just allowing you to get into that state, that frequency. So like we said um, earlier, like if you're in anxiety, maybe you're breaking stuff, maybe you're dropping stuff and losing stuff. Um, So it's the same kind of thing. Like if you're in that state frequency flow of healing, then it's easier for those things to come into your life. So um, what's so amazing about Reiki is it's kind of like a continual process. So the more that you practice, the more that you can see the results. So that's why I think it's so amazing that people can uh, study Reiki one just to practice on themselves, because then it really allows you to take that toolbox of healing into your own hands, which I think is essential um, for this day and age. Like we need (laughs) a lot of assistance and why not? Um, utilize this tool that we all naturally have, energy healing. Reiki is just one system that you can learn. And I believe that it helps people understand the systems that are already happening. So if you can look at your body from an energetic standpoint, you can kind of see a lot more information than maybe just looking at at it from a a physical point. So, yeah. So let's get into the history of Reiki. Reiki. Before we do that though, let me just give you a definition. So what is Reiki? Reiki is a form of energy healing that originated in Japan and then was brought over to the United States and has since branched off into many different schools. So we have Holy Fire, like I practice. Um there's also Reiki and angelic Reiki. There's so many different forms. Endless, endless, endless Tibetan Reiki. You can look up so many different forms of Reiki and shamanic Reiki. Some people too will study Reiki and then meld it with their own personal healing tools like I do. Um, and I think what is really interesting too is Reiki and the system allows us to connect with our subconscious pretty easily, which in turn I find activates people's intuition quite quickly. So if you're looking to develop psychically, psychically, I think Reiki is a great tool to help you with that because it um, can help you learn about boundaries, help you learn about like uh, just different ways of operating in the astral plane and energetically. So it's really cool to see people grow in different ways with Reiki. But Reiki in itself um, essentially means universal life force energy. So this is the energy that is within all things. We are channeling it and we are using it for healing. So essentially it's source energy, God, frequency, love, whatever you want to think of it as. I explain it to my dad as the force from Star Wars. Um, It's the energy within and between all things, unconditional love. There is no end to it. So myself or a practitioner is channeling that energy and then transferring it to their client or to the student. So it's very interesting to try to conceptualize Um, so It's definitely easier once you experience it to understand what it means. But basically, it is endless healing energy. So there is no end to it. So when you are giving someone else your energy, there's an end to it. You only have so much energy. And that depends on your body and your mind and what's going on and food and so many different things. Reiki... It's just untapped flow. It just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. So when you channel it, you're able to send it to your client and then you're also receiving it at the same time. So I see it as like a golden faucet of light and almost like turning on the Reiki allows it to like flow through my body as like a fluid liquid light. And then I transfer that to the client. So reiki, like a loose translation, the R-E-I, re, um is kind of like a ray, R-A-Y. And then ki is K-I, which is energy. So ray of chi, array of ki. So energy is ki um, in Japanese or chi, Chinese. Um, prana is like talked about a lot in yoga. So that is more in um, Hindu practice, they call it Purana. Um, so we might call it the vibes, the vibrations, the, the flow. So everyone has different um, words for it. We just don't have as much of a language for it in English. So if you go to acupuncture, they're going to be working on your key your energy flow. Um, so it's definitely something that a lot other countries and other places in the world understand a little bit more um, like intuitively, like, oh, that just makes sense. But in English, we separate, so, and especially in America, we separate so much our body from our mind, from our um, spirit. So we don't really have a word for that. And it's set for more in like religious circles when they talk about the spirit or Holy Spirit, um, things like that. The, um, I'm feeling the spirit, I'm feeling Holy Spirit. Like that's energy, that's Reiki, that's love, that's light. (laughs) Um, so we don't have as much of a language for that, but essentially what it is, is that it's the endless flow of light that, just is naturally there and we're we're able to harness it and use it for healing and so like I said before we channel that energy we bring it into the body and it brings that body into a rest and digest state and from there healing can take place Um, and there's so much more to it but that's kind of like a basic description so yeah I hope that makes sense all right. So let us talk briefly about the history of Reiki. So what what's the history? Where did it come from? So Reiki originated in Japan and was brought over to the United States via Hawaii and then over to the mainland. So Reiki is one form of energy healing, like we said. So some people liken this to the hands-on healing abilities of Jesus or of Buddha, um, of being able to allow Source, God, energy to flow through you and place your hands on someone and they can receive healing. So um, depending on how you were raised, you might... um, have some connection to the idea of healing hands of Jesus or the healing of hands in um, the church, of being able to place your hands on people and miraculous things happen. And then other people who are raised in the church might think that is evil and fake. (laughs) So it really depends on where you come from. but. The idea of hands-on healing and laying of hands has been here forever and will be here forever. So it doesn't um, simply begin with Reiki. Reiki is just one form of this healing, and Reiki is just one word for this healing. So anyone can be an energy healing practitioner, but to be a Reiki practitioner, like we said before, you must be attuned. So Reiki was founded by a man, his name was Mikiao Osui and he was born in Japan and he it's there's a couple different schools of thought so he was sometimes described as a Buddhist sometimes he was not there is also um, false doctrine (laughs) that is about him being a Christian minister and um, it is my belief that that was created. The Christian minister um, storyline was created at once. Uh, Reiki came to uh, the United States because they wanted it to be accepted. So they were like, "Oh, if this comes from someone who's of Christ, is a minister, mm, we might consider this." This was also a time where. Um, people from Japan were not liked in America. Um, so there was political tensions going on as well. And that definitely contributed to how this information was shared. So, Usui had essentially a vision. So, this is kind of like the story. And this is the lore. So, what we know to be factual is less um, than the stories that have been told. So some of some of this is because of um, information being withheld. Uh, like a secret information, esoteric information being withheld so that people outside of the practice didn't know about the practice. And then some of it was because it was more of like an oral tradition. You would learn the stuff in class, but you weren't allowed to take notes because of that secrecy. And then some some of it is like lost in translation from um, time and also from... um, Japan to the United States because they couldn't have uh, written everything down. They weren't allowed to write everything down. So this wasn't like millions of years ago, y'all. This was in the 20s. <laughs> so 1920s. So this wasn't that long ago, um, about 100 years ago now. So this was about 1922 too. So this actually was like 100 years ago which is totally crazy but it wasn't that long ago in the um like relative of time and of history so we're like oh this ancient healing art like it's not that old it's from the 20s so it is you know, there are other things that are incorporated into it, like these meditation practices and things like that, that definitely stemmed from Shintoism and Buddhism um, that are very old. But Reiki in itself, as founded by Mikiao Usui, is from like the 1920s. So essentially, the story was that he went up to this temple and, and he went to meditate at the temple and he did a 21 day, like fast meditation thing where he had to go there and practice and devote himself to um, Buddha. In some stories, some stories is not Buddha. So we're, we don't truly know. There are people who have written what it, they believe is fact, but the only facts that we really have is from the journals and the things that we do have from um, Usui himself. So, um, essentially, he went up to a temple at the top of a mountain, Mount Kurama in Japan. And he went to the top of the mountain, he meditated, and it was like lightning strike, word of God moment. So he saw a vision. He received the vision of Reiki, what it was about, what it was going to do, how he could do it, how he could see it. Um, it wasn't, at first, it wasn't, there wasn't symbols, there wasn't all this. It was just this idea and this energy and it flew, flew, flew through him and he knew, okay, this is something I need to share. This is a gift from God that I am supposed to share with the people. And so he comes down from the top of the mountain, of course, the top of the mountain. Um, And you can look up pictures of Mount Karama. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, Goal of life is to go. (laughs) Um, But there's like a, a ton of stairs and then, you know, trails. So who knows if there was stairs at the time in 1920s, but the story was that he fell down these stairs. This is a story that I have been told from my teacher. So, um, if you're listening to this and you're like, I've never heard this story, this is the story I was told. So he fell down the stairs and he skinned his knee, hurt his knee or no, it wasn't his knee. It was his ankle. Excuse me. <laughs> See, this is how the stories get change y'all this is how the stories get changed so he fell down the stairs he hurt his ankle and he immediately knew okay this is my test to see the efficacy the effectiveness of this vision of this revelation of this energy that I now hold that I'm going to share and teach with others um and he placed his hand on his ankle and he was able to release the pain he didn't feel any pain and he was able to go back down to the temple and tell them what had happened. And that's kind of like the the fun origin story. So around, that was around the 20s. Then in... I think it was 23, I'm not positive, um, but around 22, 23, there was a huge earthquake creating massive damage to Japan, and um, it's kind of like, almost as if he received this energy to be able to support this community after this extreme tragedy, so he had his, like, revelations, and then in the next year or two, there was, like, this huge damaging earthquake so he was in Tokyo and then outside of Tokyo being able to help people like um, with the physical issues and just have a supportive community as well like creating a dojo space so people from the community would come there for healing and to learn stuff but also to receive like benefits and things like that like they would have food and and stuff like that. A place for kids to come and hang out. Um, And then later he met someone named Dr. Hayashi. And he was a medical doctor. And he was, I think he was in the army. Um, And they met and he started hearing hearing about his experiments with Reiki. um, And Dr. Hayashi started like uh, kind of creating a little bit of a systemized ex- experiment to play around with um, the benefits of Reiki for physical health and f- to be able to teach Reiki as a healing modality. So thus far, people were learning Reiki, but it was more for like a meditation practice, for self-healing, for um, like... um emotional and inner support and Usui himself worked largely intuitively. So there wasn't, the symbols and stuff was not in there yet. Hayashi then began to systemize it. So Usui approved him basically to do this work because of course Usui, this was his creation. This was his... um, Formula. And so Dr. Hayashi made it a little bit more systemized. So he created a set of essentially like uh, steps for people to follow to receive physical benefits. So, say you had a migraine, you did this, 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 and that, and then the person receives release relief from their migraine. So Dr. Hayashi was the one who created basically a healing guide, a system of steps. I think it's like 31 steps for a full Reiki session. And then he also created these like, um, yeah, like almost like a prescriptive tool of this is what's going on with the person. And this is what we can do with Reiki to benefit them. So he then began to help teach others. And then shortly thereafter, Usui passed away. He died in 1926. And um, he is believed... To, and again, we don't know for sure, for sure, but he was believed to initiate like 15 to 17 to 20, 15, 20 people in his lifetime. So not that many people did he attune to Reiki in comparison to the, who knows, thousands, millions? I really don't know. I don't know about millions, but a lot of people in the world now today, 100 years later, who are Reiki practitioners and who are Reiki masters. So I think that is absolutely badass. And so once Usui passed away, Dr. Hayashi took over his dojo and he moved it into a different area of Japan. Um, and he kind of, uh, from here, he created kind of like a break in the system. So before it was Usui's practices, was known as um, Usui Reiki Ryōhō Gaki. Um, and he essentially it's, was now known as Hayashi Reiki Kenyōkai. Yo- I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, so forgive me. Ken Kyōkai, the dojo. Kenyōkai, so I'm not positive, but I will, um, if anyone is interested I could put a timeline in the show notes but you should maybe just sign up for my class because all this information is in the class um so you'll get to learn it twice right now but anyway so he created kind of like his own uh school for teaching reiki and so that is where we began to branch off of different systems So myself, um, I'm initiated into Usuki Reiki Ryoho or traditional Reiki, but I'm also initiated into Holy Fire. And that is a completely different branch that's off that started like way more recently in about 2014. So for the benefit of time of this episode, because we're already like, getting up there in the minutes and we're already doing a part two I think we might just do a whole separate podcast on holy fire reiki because it's a whole different system and I have a lot of information that might be interesting to you and we connect with Jesus we get (laughs) we get weird in there so um I think that's what we'll do just to be less confusing but that was about yeah 1930s So we're getting into the 30s now, and here is where we introduce our first um, United States practitioner, our first American practitioner, which is um, Mrs. Takata, and also our first female um, teacher. So they're probably... Possibly were female initiates before her, but she is the first one that we really talk about um, specifically. So she was um, born in Hawaii. So she lived in Hawaii, and but she was um, a Japanese woman. So she had family over in Tokyo and in Japan, and. Um this was around the 1930s, mid 30s. She was started hearing about um unfortunately a death in her family over in in Japan and she had also a bunch of physical health stuff going on. She had an emotional breakdown. She had this lung issue, pain and um she wanted to go to Japan to um like talk to the family about a death in the family, because this was before you could just call someone up in Japan and to seek her own personal healing. So in the 30s, 1936 is when she met Dr. Hayashi. So remember, this is after Usui had passed away. Hayashi had taken over the practice of teaching Reiki. So she received her first um, degree of Reiki Her first training, and then she stayed there for a while. And eventually, a few years later, she made it to um, a Reiki master. And all the while, she did a lot of physical healing. She healed like miraculously from a lot of her health conditions. And of course, she was um, there to see her family. But what she ended up doing is staying there to learn Reiki because it was something that was changing her life. And she eventually became a Reiki master. And it is said she was the last Reiki master to be initiated by Dr. Hayashi. And um, it is believed that he initiated about 17 Reiki masters during his lifetime. Um, And then... Once she became a Reiki master, she eventually went back to Hawaii and started teaching other people Reiki there and started doing healings there. And it said she initiated about 20, 25 Reiki masters and she died in 1980. So 1980, 40 years, 50 years, 40 something years ago. Um, not that long ago, y'all. Not that long ago. So since then, she taught um several people, and they started bringing it over to the rest of the United States. So it became very popular in California and started kind of um traveling throughout the United States. It was definitely popular for people to do um like initiations and ceremonies at like, um, like festivals and things like that. And you can hear about in Diane Stein's Essential Reiki, she talks about being at a festival and like initiating hundreds of people. Um, And this was 70s. This was like the 70s. Um, And, you know, it was very popular, I think, to start getting into like new age mystical practices. And this is definitely what, what that was believed to be. Um, but when Mrs. Takata first came back um, to the United States, it was, it was kind of um, displayed as something more of a religious practice or connected to Christianity, mainly to um, preserve it and keep it, without questions, in the United States in the 30s. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit about the history of Reiki. So once it was brought over to the United States, it began to spread, spread, spread. And again, there are many different branches of Reiki that have separated off and so many different practitioners throughout the world now. Like every continent, I'm sure, has a Reiki practitioner, Um, probably even Antarctica. (laughs) So Reiki is everywhere and it's really badass to uh, learn about the people that it came from. So I definitely would do some Research. There's a lot of good books out there, and I'll put some of my favorite recommendations in the show notes. Let's talk about some of the benefits of Reiki energy healing. So, Reiki can be very beneficial um, for a variety of things, it can be helpful for physical, mental, emotional and spiritual ailments so like we said before essentially what reiki is doing is it's bringing your body into a parasympathetic state a rest and digest state the state in which our body is a um begins to heal naturally. So we're allowing our body to get into that state and the body starts working on itself. So like we said earlier, this happens during sleep, but this is one of the main benefits of Reiki is it can be very helpful for physical issues. So this can be used at an acute basis like, oh, I... Bumped into my dresser and I my hip hurts a little bit. I got a bruise. Like you could give yourself Reiki or you could receive Reiki for these acute issues, and then it can also be helpful for um, managing long term stuff. So Reiki in itself isn't gonna like heal you miraculously from all diseases. And if you practice or receive Reiki, you'll never get sick or you'll never. Have any issues, um, and you'll feel happy every day. Like, that's not how Reiki works. Reiki is there as a support system for when you need it. But, like many other um, energetic medicines, it is also helpful. Um, basically to build it up into your system. So preventative medicine, long-term use. So um, we see things like this in acupuncture. This is an energetic medicine as well. They're working Um, from more of a physical standpoint, but we are also working in the energy of the body, which can affect the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual body, like we said. So it can be helpful for long-term things. Like if you had uh, myself, um, one of the main reasons, and we'll talk more about this in part two when I tell my story about Reiki and how I got into it. But one of the main reasons that I started receiving Reiki is because I had a lot of chronic pain issues and long-term physical health symptoms and um, dysfunctions. And to say I never experienced pain, I would say is not true, but miraculous things have happened. And I experienced so much less pain. And when I do experience the pain, I'm able to assist myself or, or find um, a physical thing that is going to help me as well. So what's so amazing about Reiki is it really gets us in tune with our body. When we start to be able to sense and feel energies And Reiki is a good way to do that because it shows us how. It's a system we can follow. We can start to tune into what we need. So sometimes if I'm having an issue with pain, um, a Reiki session could be helpful on myself. But other times I'll consult with another practitioner Or maybe I'll get a massage or maybe I'll have a certain tincture or or even take up Tylenol. Like whatever I need to do in that moment, stretches, lie there, take a bath, whatever it is that's going to be beneficial to me. I have more of a sense of what my body needs and requires from practicing Reiki that I can see into what is really needed in this moment for myself, which is really awesome. Um, for me personally and for everyone, because sometimes it's really difficult to listen to your body and it's really difficult to hear your body, especially if you have had a lot of physical pain issues or any like, uh, emotional disconnections to your body throughout your life. It can be difficult to listen, um, any history of disordered eating it can be difficult to trust your body so I just um, I have found a lot of healing myself through Reiki to be able to understand what my body is telling me which um, that is one of the really amazing benefits I have seen from um, becoming a Reiki practitioner is that uh, development of intuition and being able to uh, decipher what's going on in the body through the realm of energy. So being able to see, perceive, read, feel, sense energy. So I talk about this on probably most podcasts that we have, but everyone experiences it differently when it comes to an their intuition. So you might um, be able to see the energy. Like some people see it. They can see it in their mind's eye when they close their eye. Like it looks like a color or a pulsation or a flow, or you could even see it like small flames around the body. But those are very clairvoyant people. Those are very clairvoyant people. And that's not everyone. So Reiki is really cool because it allows you to develop your own senses, your own abilities. So you might feel and sense so deeply. You can feel the movement, how it's moving in the body, where it needs to go in the body. And then for other people, they might get more of that intuitive hit, that um, clear cognizance or even clear audience psychic knowing of, oh, I'm doing a Reiki session right now on myself, And I'm sending lots of healing into my stomach and now I'm going to eat some dandelion greens because that's the random word that's just coming up in my head over and over again while I'm doing this healing session. So I think it can be very powerful, um, our intuition that we can build up through the practice of Reiki, but it's also beautiful because it can be a subtle lifelong journey And it really depends on what people need. Like for me, a a lot of stuff grew pretty quickly because I am putting myself out there as a practitioner and a teacher. And so I kind of moved as fast as I needed to, to understand and be able to help people in the ways that I can in the last like five or six years. And... For other people, you just take a Reiki 1 class and you work on that for years and years or even your lifetime. Like There is no rush to go to learn everything. And Reiki is really a personal practice, so it begins to evolve. And so with Reiki in the classes, you do learn... basically a systemized version of how to do a Reiki treatment and then you also talk about more working intuitively. So we'll get into a little more detail about that later but the benefits of having a system I think can be really helpful for people who are less in touch with their intuition or truly who believe they are less in touch because I think everyone is connected I always say this, we're all connected, but um, sometimes we're not aware of that connection or how it works. So something where there's a system, a step-by-step thing that you follow and you can trust that it works is really helpful for those types of people to build up their intuitive gifts um, and be able to trust what is coming to them and through them. So Let's get back to some of the benefits of Reiki. Why someone would want to receive a treatment or learn about it for themselves. So Reiki can be really helpful for um, like breaking habits and creating new structures. Like it's allowing you to see what is no longer serving you or helping you. But um, it comes with so much love that. It's easy to let things go. I have experienced this and I have seen it with clients as well. Um, It's easier to let things go because you can see how something is possible and how something would be better a different way and I could see it from a different angle and you're less stuck in your old ways. So sometimes people can see a pretty big lifestyle change for themselves, and this isn't true for everyone, and this doesn't have to be true for everyone, but this is my experience and what I see with a lot of students, where there'll be some kind of lifestyle change after doing Reiki, like maybe you start eating more vegetables, or going out on hikes and connecting with nature, or maybe you stop doing drinking alcohol, or um eating extra extra sugar like maybe something in your life w- changes not because reiki is something that uh you have to follow with your lifestyle at all like there is no eat this and do that like um you can't do this and you have to wear this like there is not none, none of those types of rules it's not like that but a lot of times people will see what would benefit them and they're joyously um, going on that pathway. So, um, and sometimes that comes along with work or something. Maybe people get a new job or they pursue more of their spirituality, um, more dedicated meditation practice. There are a couple of meditations that go along with the Reiki training. So that can be a really great way to practice the healing um, a Uh, Energy and channeling that separate from just the laying of hands or placing your hands on yourself or others and allowing the energy to flow that way. So Reiki can flow in a lot of different ways. Um, Typically what we think of is just a hands-on. You come into a room and someone lays on a massage table, and you place your hands on them, or like right above their body. That is Reiki, and that's an amazing way that you can practice Reiki, and for yourself and others. Um, but Reiki is so much more than that. And once you become attuned, you are a initiate, a Reiki practitioner. The energy is flowing through you, so. If there's something in your life that could use like continuous healing, Reiki is gonna help you process that. So that's why it can be you can see these big shifts after doing your attunement. Like, oh, I I sweated I had a lot of sweating for like three days, and then I just um decided to do a yoga practice, like just these things that are healthy lifestyle stuff that you are just shown that might benefit you. And when we're, um, holding this higher frequency of energy that Reiki is, sometimes our body needs to catch up. So we need to do these, um, physical things that could benefit us to strengthen our body to hold that higher frequency so a lot of people will say that and that's written a lot about in like different books and people will even mention like a healing crisis and I don't like to always frame it that way because I think that can intimidate people and then I think that can also almost like create that like in your mind you're like oh i'm gonna go through a healing crisis and then you you do because you're thinking about it um but like for example someone gets an attunement and maybe they sweat for three days or they vomit like i vomited after i think my second attunement um And some people even get like a little cold or something like that. And they're basically like detoxing those things from their body that they don't need to hold on to. But that does not happen all the time. Um, You can think of it the same way. Like if you guys listen to our episode with Amanda Marie a while back about breathwork and plant medicine, um, you can think about it as kind of like a ceremony. So I've never done ayahuasca, but I know purging is a huge part of that um, experience for people to release their demons, their darkness, their things, their icky, their sadness, all these things that they're holding on to. Um, Energy healing and Reiki is kind of like another way to process those um, excess energies without throughout the body so purging is a thing that can show up so uh, again some of the benefits is basically yeah like rebalancing the energy centers in the body and the spirit so with reiki we're activating your crown and your third eye, as well as your heart center and your grounding centers. There's something that's called a horror line as well that goes from your belt, like below your belly button, like to the center of the earth. And um, that contains a lot of information about your soul. And so sometimes there's all sorts of sticky icky things in there that can make us hard to ground or to connect to earth or to be um present and so that it helps clear that out and it's also activating the hand chakras so everyone has um you know these activated already it's just opening them up to be able to filter and hold more light and there are many um like clinical studies that can show the benefits of Reiki and those things are being studied more and more. And it's really about, uh, the Western world catching up with, um, like the science and the studies that show the benefits of this and not to be, um, (laughs) not to get too, um, Depressing, but look at who funds clinical studies in the U.S. and see a little bit where there might be biases um, and where things might not get talked about because they directly might take money out of the pockets of some people who want lots of money (laughs) So we know who those people are. We know the industries that benefit from us getting sick. So something like Reiki or acupuncture or any of these alternative medicines. Why did the fuck do we even call them alternative medicines anyway? You can think about that. Just have a little ponder about that. Because there are um, very real like suppression of the benefits of these types of things like reiki and it becoming almost like a new age mystical tool which it is it is very magical and there you can connect very spiritually but there are a lot of physical benefits to this work and we can just see that sometimes that information doesn't want to be shared, and it becomes kind of like a, oh, that weird woo woo. Like, what? Well, I would. Why would you want to do Reiki? That sounds crazy. And then people don't try it, or it just sounds too out there for them, for the aver- for the average person, and they never try it, even though that could be something that could be a really helpful supplemental healing thing to do for them. And you can even see that, yeah, with acupuncture is a great example. And I always use that example um, because acupuncture is really old, (laughs) y'all, way older than a lot of the other medicines that we have in the stuff that we use in um, the hospital and with general practitioners a lot of that stuff is newer ideas versus the acupuncture. And it basically became labeled as alternative medicine at some point because they wanted to sell people um, pills and supplements and other things that are more of a quick fix where um, alternative medicines are all about yeah, preventative medicine, long term health. And so we often want to make a quick buck, a quick dollar, rather than benefit ourselves on the long term. So that's what we see in America. And a lot of times that can reflect upon our own psyches, whether or not we agree with it. We might say, oh, okay, well. I could start having like more vegetables in my diet and I could cook all my meals and I could do this or that and I would feel so much better, but that is so much work. So I'm probably never going to do it. And we give up because we see something um, as like consistent, as long-term, as um, subtle, as not... Uh, effective because we want to see results. We want to see it quick, fast, and easy. So Reiki is sometimes like that. Sometimes you can do something real and um, you receive a healing session and you feel like immediately better, but Sometimes it's more of like what I describe to people as time release, like we work on it now, but you might see the benefits later. And especially when um, becoming a practitioner, you can see those lifestyle changes within yourself and emotional and physical changes within yourself. But sometimes it is a lot more subtle and it takes a while to realize how helpful Reiki is actually for you and what it has been helping you accomplish. So, again, like there are studies out there, but there is information that I think would be beneficial um, for people to know about, but most of it is from personal experience. Like you could read all the clinical studies, but until you experience a Reiki session, it's hard to conceptualize how helpful it really can be. So it can be helpful as well on the emotional level. So like releasing emotional blocks, but also like processing emotions. Like if you're sad Um, Instead of just like scrolling TikTok or watching YouTube or like drinking and partying with your friends or distracting yourself with whatever your distraction of choice is, you might be able to sit and cry and release some of these feelings. So it's not about um, bringing you into a state of total bliss where you're just totally happy and joyous and peace, love and dove all the time. It's about um, experience the whole of life, which is pain, which is sorrow, which is happiness, which is joy, which is freedom, which is um, whatever. There's just endless states of emotions for us to experience. And Reiki allows us to access those states of being because it allows us to get more comfortable with our authentic self. Who we truly are without the filters of society, without the filters of our family, our past relationships, our past lives, even like who we truly are at a soul essence, we're able to connect in with that, which allows us to feel safe in our body, which when we feel safe in our body, it allows our body to begin to heal. Um, It's super normal if you have had any kind of trauma in your life and that is probably everyone listening to this podcast and probably everyone on the earth whether it's teeny or huge uh, capital t trauma everyone's experienced something that fucked them up a little bit and so when we experience fear or trauma a lot of times a uh, almost like a fragment of our spirit, of our soul, leaves our body and is just floating around trying to figure out what the fuck happened. You can think of this in as an extreme example of, oh, you got into a car accident and um, you kind of freaked out. And in order for you not to experience the physical pain of that crash, your consciousness like leaves your body for, for a little while. Um, until you're into a, a place where you are safe, and so you can reawaken into your body and experience that. So, um, that's really common for people who have like PTSD, like consistent um ish trauma and issues where they're um in it still. It's common for people to experience disassociation, which is basically your. Uh, always in that state of outside of your bodiness. You're floating around and you're not really present. So, when it happens in an instant and we leave our body, sometimes a part of that essence is floating around. And so, when we're able to call those parts of ourselves back to ourselves, this um sometimes is referred to as a soul retrieval, a soul retrieval. A soul fragment is what you're looking for. Um we can call that back into our body and once we can reconnect with these like lost fragments of ourselves it allows us to deepen our ability to connect with our authentic self because it's like finding those little missing pieces so it can be extreme like car accidents or continuous trauma but it could be um little tiny things where you're like oh I always used to eat this ice cream flavor and um then someone in second grade said oh well that's gross flavor and then you never ate it again until you were like 30 and you were like oh my god why did I stop eating this and you feel like more in tune with yourself because you're like this was my flavor I was a strawberry queen or or whatever the example and sometimes it can be helpful if you have harder, deeper traumas to get, of course, help a therapist, um, a healer, like someone that can support you. Um, and having a healer and a therapist could be great too to get those um, like, perspectives if you really f- feel like you need assistance processing these traumas. Um, or even seeing a shaman and they can perform the soul retrieval for you. um, If you don't feel like strong enough for that yet. But if this is a process that you're wanting to partake in, which is the healing journey, which is a lifelong thing, um, and it never ends and that's okay because we don't need to be done with everything to feel okay. Okay um things can be continuous but i think it can be really helpful to start to um call back those tiny silly parts of ourselves like our old favorite ice cream before we start calling back um some of those deeper parts of ourselves that feel very um far away from us and yeah so i think it can be really helpful to look into like hypnosis regression or um, soul retrieval, and just see if you can play around with this on your own. I have a meditation that's in spirit school where we do a soul retrieval on ourselves, um, and I think it's definitely possible to do that type of work, but it can be a little intense. So I just recommend if you're playing around with this idea just to have some kind of support out there. Like even if it's your best friend that you can call and be like, oh, I'm thinking about something that happened and I just need someone to talk to because sometimes stuff can come to the surface. Um, And with Reiki, it's like a gentle unconditional love is how I feel it and explain it. So Even when we're in states of pain or sorrow or sadness, the Reiki is there to like hold the space for you. It's like the mother that you wanted (laughs) and like um, that, that just unconditional support of I'm here with you, I'm nurturing you, and... What's really cool is it is you and it's not you. Like if you're the practitioner sending someone Reiki, like you're there supporting them, like your energy, your interpretations of what comes through, you're sharing all that, but you're not doing anything really. Like you're just the vessel. And Reiki is like source energy, so it's not your own energy, which can be really helpful um, to create like a barrier between you and your client. So you're not um, like taking on all of their pain, feelings, etc., where you're able to support them and also keep boundaries of support for yourself. So you're not like exhausted from like transferring forming all this energy to light. So Reiki, you can do many different ways. Like we said, like hands-on, you can do distance healing. So that is, um, you learn that after Reiki two. So distance healing, essentially we do a couple of different ways, but basically, um, we're like a I describe it as opening up a portal between all time and space <laughs> between myself and the client so that I am there with them, even though I'm not like we're on Zoom, we're on the phone, whatever. I'm on Instagram Live or TikToks Um And you're able to receive that healing, even though we're not physically together, because basically I created like a portal between us and you can hop in if you want (laughs) and receive the healing. So with distance healing, there is a symbol that we use and it's called what Mm, it's I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. You have to take a class to find out, but you can find it in a book. But um we'll just call it the distance symbol to preserve the secrecy of the, of the symbols. Um, but basically it's a symbol and when you draw it, you're creating like that oneness, that portal between all things. So you could create a portal and do distance healing to, yeah, yourself. Um, I mean, uh, for, for your friend or for your grandma or someone across the country, or even across the world, you can do it for yourself in other points of time, is what I was going to say. Two. So that is something that I think is very cool. So essentially what we're doing is we are time traveling. So we can create a portal between ourselves and our 13-year-old selves and send healing to that point in time. We can also send it to the future. So say you have a job interview and you just want to feel strong, confident, like ready to go. You could send Reiki to yourself in the future while you're (laughs) in your job interview. So it goes smoothly. You can um, like use Reiki in your home for protection, like energetic protection, cleansing the energy of a home. So that can be helpful for, yeah, just like energetic boundaries, like the vibes, like if you have someone come over and they're being a bitch, like clearing that energy out there. But it can also be used to like clear spirits um, and like, uh, energies that are in your, like, uh, uh, spiritual energies that are in your home. So ghosts and things like that. Um, you can use it, yeah, on the walls of your home. Like you're basically imagining creating like a box of light within your home. You can do this, There's different symbols that you use. And you can also do this through visualization. And you can use Reiki as well for like manifesting. So you could set intentions and place Reiki towards them. Um, So like manifesting money, jobs, opportunities, um, houses, friendships. You can do relationships. I just, this is with Reiki, and this is my personal stance, but I know with witchcraft, there's so many different like frames of belief system. So do whatever you want. <laughs> but with Reiki, we work on the rules of consent. So you're not going to send Reiki to anyone or anything without their permission. Um, you can use Reiki like in spaces, like if you're going to go into someone's uh lecture hall and do a lecture you could put reiki into the room but it's not going to affect the people in the room unless they consent so um some people will will, like think of it as their spirit their soul is consenting um but for me i like to get that verbal yes So I will post videos on TikTok and sometimes and and, um, Instagram where I'll send like little bits of Reiki through the video. And I always just put some kind of like cue in there for people to consent. Like place your hands on your heart if you're open to receive. Place your hands on your stomach. Take a breath. Like something where their body can consent to that energy. So I'm not just like fucking with people's energy without their permission. Sometimes I want to send energy to people but like you know um it's not my place. <laughs> and so obviously if you have a practice and people are coming and paying you or, or you're working on your friends like there's an established consent like you're going there um and doing the healing. But you can also do reiki on like animals and things like that and we just describe that as and we talked about that um with the episode I did with Suzanne about uh animal reiki um so you guys can go back and listen to that we talked about past lives and animal reiki and some other cool stuff but basically, the animal is going to, like, come and relax and just chill in front of you or sleep in front of you or come into your lap. Like, they're going to do something if they're open to receive. If you're trying to give Reiki to your dog and he walks in the other room, he's not into it. And that's how we know it works. You can do Reiki on babies and things like that. Um, but, I like, obviously, we want to ask the permission of the family. But babies... And kids are humans too, so they might not want it, but um, I like to believe that they would kind of block themselves energetically if they're not open to receive. In my experience, Reiki, I mean, babies really like Reiki. I've done Reiki on a few babies and that was really cool. And I've done Reiki on some people while they were pregnant and that was super interesting. I've had psychic messages come through as well for people from their babies. So it's very cool. So um, it's definitely possible to do Reiki for people of all ages. There's nothing you should be concerned about. There's no contraindications for Reiki, um other than people who are really sensory, um uncomfortable with like sensory issues like they might not want to be touched so you could do distance healing for them even though you're maybe in the same room you could sit in a chair across the room and use the distance healing symbol and send them healing so they can receive the benefit of it without that physical touch interaction that can be also good if someone has um any kind of like body trauma where they don't want touch you can always place your hands above their body or do distance healing across the room so there's many different things the only other thing i would be concerned with is if someone has like a severe health condition like a cancer type of thing you wouldn't um like cancer something very serious where their immune system is is quite weak uh, you wouldn't want to do like a full hour session, maybe do 10, 15 minutes and just allow them to relax, do that in a few days in a row or once a week for a few weeks, just um, allowing their body and all the other stuff that they're working on medically to settle and to move um, accordingly. So you don't want to like do too much too fast. Um, Same. The only other thing too is same with like broken bones. Like you wouldn't want to put Reiki on a freshly broken bone um, after the cast is off. Like that's totally fine. Um, And it probably would be very helpful, but Reiki's strong and we don't want, we don't know how strong it is sometimes and what the body could react. So we wouldn't want to like have someone have to reset their bones or something because it started healing too quickly and <laughs> we fucked up their um, health uh, like their healing process. So that's the only thing to really be worried about. But other than that anyone can benefit from Reiki all ages um, all abilities. Like anyone can benefit from Reiki and anyone can learn Reiki as well. I have not All my students are eighteen and over. Most of my, but um, I know people teach teenagers and kids. That's something that I would totally be interested in. Um, I just feel like myself. I would want a little bit more understanding of how to share that information with a younger audience. But if you are a Reiki master and you want to attune your 12 year old to Reiki like you should do that I think that would be really helpful for them and whether or not they end up pursuing Reiki as something they want to do for others that doesn't matter it's all about uh, working on yourself so to become a Reiki practitioner just allows you to have that tool in your tool belt that you can always call upon so I've I have people that have come to me who were like oh I got attuned in Reiki like in 1985 like But I never use it, so I lost it, like, and I just never use it. It doesn't matter. Time is not a thing with Reiki. So the more you practice, the stronger the channel's going to be, and also just your own ability to understand what's happening when you're sending the Reiki, because you might not feel anything, but your client might feel a ton. Like, um... Even if you're working on yourself, you might not physically feel it, but a lot is going on. So you could definitely do like a reattunement if you feel the need to, but you do not need to do that. Like once you are opened up to channel Reiki, you are always opened up to channel Reiki. That doesn't mean you're constantly um, channeling. It just means that ability is open for you. At any time. That you so choose to use it. And. I do notice sometimes. It can turn on spontaneously. And that's a big thing. I think when people first get their attunements. And I see that as the channel. Like. uh, Processing. And working it's way out. And clearing stuff out of the system. Like we talked about earlier. As far as purging and releasing. Um, And sometimes. Sometimes. You might feel the urge to send Reiki to a person. And again, you can do whatever you want. But I always like to ask them, like, oh, can I send you some healing? And for me, I will send it to my mom and stuff. Sometimes if she has, like, physical pain. But because I am a practitioner... I don't usually like just do a bunch of free healing sessions because that's kind of my job. So it takes a lot of energy and sometimes I feel like I have to keep that boundary of I'm practicing. I'm not practicing, but, you know, sometimes I think people might be sent into our life where we can help them. So if you feel like you could help this person that's calling out to you energetically like feel into the situation and see what is right. So people also do Reiki in hospitals. This is not obviously at every hospital and honestly I'm not sure like what the state of these programs is right now, like during, um, like the pandemic, but there are a lot of different volunteer programs at different hospitals and hospice centers where people can send Reiki to these people who are in physical pain or end of life care and just being able to help and assist them. Reiki, I think would be an amazing thing to help with um, end of life care, just being able to connect people more spiritually, give them that reassurance that they're going to be okay. And giving them that time of presence while they're still here of you're here with them, you're listening to them, you're caring for them. And even just the touch, the nice touch, because, if someone's in the hospital or in hospice they probably are not getting a lot of touch other than you know showers and things like that getting help with that so being able to do that for people can be really amazing and it can also just help them relax keep their body relaxed so if you're a Reiki practitioner i would look into that i've seen them on indeed um and other like job sites, volunteer sites, but I just don't, and it's something I really want to do personally, the end of life volunteering, like just doing Reiki, but um, since the pandemic, I haven't seen anything in my area, so we'll see how that pans out. Um, also, so there is a website, it's called Reiki.org, and that is um, through William Rand, he's a founder of Holy Fire Reiki, which is one of the practices I do. And he has a website, it's called reiki.org. And there is a lot of like, uh, he ha- he posts his classes on there and, you, and people can buy manuals from there to teach with whether or not you teach Holy Fire or not. So um, there is like a general Reiki one and two um, manual. And then he has some Holy Fire manuals, but there also is a, a, a magazine that he has that's called Reiki Magazine, and you can find it on there, like articles on there, but there's also, they sell it like Barnes and Noble and stuff, um, and people will submit articles. So if you're wanting to find out more about like Reiki benefits and how Reiki has helped People and in their lives, or how their practices look, I think that would be a really good source for you. And I'll put that in the show notes. So if you want to look into a little bit more about how Reiki works, I would look at that website. He also has, um, like, yeah, his classes on there, but then also links to other classes. So he has his own kind of like uh, Reiki school. So there will be um, people who are trained under him, but Reiki has so many different schools. So just finding a reputable teacher, but I believe a lot of those teachers would be a good source um, to look into because with his teachers, they have to take a they have to do a lot of training, which is not really at seen anywhere else in Reiki, like other than like personal training and, 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 um, development on their own and with their private practices. But he has like certain hours you have to do. So it could be really cool to look into that. Again, I teach classes, but, I would just start investigating if this sounds like something you are interested in. And I would also sign in to receive a healing session. I have a bunch of free healing meditations on my YouTube and my Instagram. And um, maybe I'll link a few of those in the show notes if you want to like receive some energy, see what it feels like. But I think it would be really nice to either get a distance session if you don't have anyone in your area, or find a hands-on practitioner where you could receive some Reiki and see how it feels before you um, sign for a class. So Reiki is really, I think it's one of those things that calls to you when it's time. Like you might hear this podcast, and then maybe you'll see a Reiki book like at, the library and then maybe you'll hear someone talking about it and then maybe you'll see someone with a t-shirt with it like it's it might you know kind of call to you you're gonna know when it's time um and maybe reiki is not the energy healing for you there's so many different types of energy healing so happy exploring y'all reiki has changed my life. I think I said that at the beginning. I say it every day, all the time. Um, And I'm going to talk more about that in part two and tell y'all my story about how I started practicing Reiki and how much it has helped me on a personal level as well as through my business and as a teacher. So thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate y'all very much. Please like, subscribe, comment, do all the things. Um, Leave a review. That's what we do on the podcast is we leave reviews. (laughs) So the reviews really do help. Um, They help more people be aware of the podcast, find the podcast. So please subscribe, review all the things And I will see y'all next week for part two and we'll get more into my personal experience with Reiki.